Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. That worship song conveys splendor to the Lord, doesn't it? And, it, and there's a respect that's, that's wrapped up in there, and, and it just paints a picture of, of being before the Lord. And what that actually entails, it's not a casual relationship. It's a, it's a get on your face, drop down in worship kind of illustration and I think we need to regain that far too many people treat God just like their buddy and their pal and in some ways yes Jesus is our friend but but there's a respect that we have to convey to God he is an awesome God he is he is everything he is all-powerful What can we do but to fall down before him? Father, Lord, forgive us for treating our relationship with you casually or secondhand. Lord, you are the awesome God. We bow before you. Lord God, in your wisdom, in your majesty, Lord God, we are we are in awe of such things. Yes. So today, Lord, as we come before you in worship, Lord God, accept our worship. Though we are basic men and women with, with faults and failures, Lord God, we submit our hearts to you. Lord God, we have an ultimate respect for you in a world that has lost the idea of what respect even means. Lord God, we turn to your face with respect. Jesus, Jesus, you have paid the ultimate price to have a relationship with us. Lord God, help us to crave that very relationship. Lord God, to place that relationship above all other things, to sacrifice everything for our relationship yes. with you. Thank you. Jesus, Jesus, you're wonderful. You are beautiful. You're amazing. You are, you are closer to us than a friend, yet it's so much more. So today as we worship, as we come before you with your word, as we respond to you, even as we go downstairs after service and we share a meal together, may you be glorified above all things. Lord God, we will continually praise the name and proclaim the name of Jesus. Pray all of this in your mighty name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. You guys may be seated. Thank you, Lord. Right. I want to dismiss the kids real quick. Kids, mm. you know, there's some days where where worship just takes us, and and you know, knowing what the message is going to be, and it's just those days where where I'm going to stand up here and say, "Hey, you got a bulletin." There's a bulletin online. There's one in your hand. I don't need to go through announcements today. We're just going to shift right into the message. The one thing I will invite you to do, though, is to stay after service and, and have a meal with us. It's our last Sundays. Every last Sunday we, we do this. So please stay with us. Of course, there's four ways to give. We know that. There's giving boxes. You can do it online. All of that is pretty self-explanatory. So with that being said... I want to just jump into this message. Is that okay? That okay with you guys? Good. Because whether you say yes or no, I'm going to do it anyway. Amen. Let's, let's pray for the message today. Father, once again, Lord, we submit ourselves to you. We come before you. I do that. 
Lord God, I submit myself to you. I come before you, Lord. I believe this is a vitally important message that you have, have, have given us today. So, so help us. Help us to understand it. Help us to, to take it in. Help us to process it. Help us to listen. Jesus, help us to listen to your glorious words to the words that you spoke while on this earth. What an important time that was while you were on this earth. So, Lord God, every single word that you spoke while you were on this earth was with intention. So help us to understand and, and, uh, and pursue that. Holy Spirit, Lord God, Holy Spirit, you've got today. It's your prerogative. You open up the, the hearts and the minds of each one of us. Lord God, help us to to desire that and to, and to pursue that. Holy Spirit, allow me to speak what you have for me to speak, and, and, and Lord God, help me to not speak anything that you don't have for me to speak. In other words, Holy Spirit, it's all about you. It's your rule and reign. It's your order. It's your words. And Lord, like I always pray, don't let anybody leave here today the same way that they came. Lord, challenge us, convict us, confirm in us inspire us, do all of those great things that you do. We praise this in your name, Jesus. And once again, everyone said, Amen. Amen. All right, let's see. You got the slide up, and if you get the newsletters and, and the Thursday thing and everything, you know that the title of today's message is A Fault in Our Faith. But before we get started, let's begin today with a basic understanding because we need to have an understanding here. Understand that any faults in our faith, those are on our side and they are not on the side of God. See, God's ultimate plan as well as the specific plan that he has for each one of us is pure and it is perfect. Unfortunately, we are neither pure nor perfect. And yet, when we have Christ as our top priority, God works around and with our faults to accomplish something that's truly wonderful in us, as well as in the kingdom. And it's all for His glory. Whatever He does in our life, it's for His glory. Whatever He does in this church, it's for His glory. Glory, And we've got to understand that He is pure and He is perfect, yet He is working with us. It's important to understand this today because without it, we tend to play the victim in many circumstances. And sometimes we play the victim at church, sometimes in our, in our workplace, in our friendships. We love to play the victim. And, and playing the victim... If you watch the news at all or plugged into social media or if you even listen a little bit, you know that playing the victim is a very popular role today. See, we can actually shift blame and, and place it on others and even God for not careful. Or we simply fail to live up to the potential and calling God has placed upon each one of our lives. Let's just get into some scripture this morning. We're just we're going to get in right away. Let's begin in, in Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, if you have your Bibles, this is out of the English Standard Version. This is verse 14. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. I'm going to do something today that I don't normally do. I'm going to start out this message, and I'm going to give you the gist of today's message. Here's the gist of today's message. Your faith takes effort, it takes work, and it takes time. There it is. Let's eat. We're done. The gist of the message today. That's the big takeaway that I want you to remember. However, we can't stop here. Because unfortunately it seems that the American church in many ways has forgotten 
this basic and essential truth. Now, when I say American church, what do you guys think of? Do you think of all the different churches you drive by? Do you think of all the different denominations? Remember, when I'm talking about the American church, the church is not the building. The church is not the entity. The church is the people who belong to that church. So when I say American church, I'm very much speaking about all of us that proclaim and profess to be followers of Christ. The words of Jesus in Matthew 7.14 should serve as a constant reminder to us. See, Jesus taught, he communicated, and he warned that the majority of people would not follow him. That's the tragic truth. By this statement, Jesus is saying, many around us, people we know and interact with, our family, will not choose and follow the narrow way to him and an eternity with him. Now I pray not, but that could also include people here today in this very sanctuary and those listening online. That's both heartbreaking and frustrating to me. Jesus is speaking of those who would not and will not accept him as the Son of God who is the only mediator between the Father and mankind. That only by Christ alone can we be forgiven set free, and have eternal life with God. Now remember, verse 14. These are not the words of a pastor, or a Bible teacher, or even a theologian. These are the actual words of Jesus Himself. The One who came to seek and save the lost. Who brought light to those who sit in darkness who lived and died and rose again with the specific purpose to take upon himself the death sentence that each one of us carried. God, in the incarnate body of Jesus, is openly saying here that most people are not going to make it. Not because of Jesus, but because of mankind's sinful prideful, lackadaisical attitude toward anything that exists beyond their narrow-minded life of self-indulgence. Let's consider the data from a new study. This is a brand new study that just came out this week. And it's a study that was supervised by George Barna. Very reputable. You've got the Barna name attached to a study. It, it brings a lot of credibility to it. See, this study is comparing born-again Christians. Now, we, can, we need to understand what that means. We can use the word Christian, and that can mean all sorts of things today, right? People will say, hey, no, I'm a Christian simply because they're not anything else. And then we can take it up a notch and we could say evangelical Christians, right? And those are those that believe in evangelizing. They're, they're, they believe in a, in a deeper reality of what the Bible is. But we take it up to the top notch and, and we talk about born-again Christians, born-again believers, those who believe you must be born again, to have a relationship with Jesus, right? So this is a study of the top tier, right? If I can say it that way. This is comparing born-again Christians since the COVID-19 pandemic began in 2020 through the release of this study. So it's just, it's a very modern study. It's, it doesn't go back very far. It only goes back to COVID. Let's take a look at, at what, what they found. I'm going to put this up here if you want to look into it deeper, take a picture of it. But, but I highlighted uh, uh, several of them. Remember, born-again believers from COVID to now. You have a unique God-given calling or purpose for your life. 
Pre-COVID, it was at 66%. It's now down to 46%. 20-point drop. You have a unique God-given calling or purpose for your life. Pre-COVID, 88%. Now, 46%. That's a 42-point change. You are deeply committed to practicing your religious faith. Pre-COVID, 85%. Now down to 50%. That's 35-point change. Now, if we were just talking uh, worldly standards here, we could begin to understand this. Remember, born-again Christians, born-again believers, this is what the study has found. Now, America has been in a biblical Christian mindset decline for decades. But what the studiers, what those conducting this this study found most disturbing is the amount of decline in just the last three years. Let's go back a verse and get the whole picture. This is now 7, 13, and 14. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life and those who find it are few. There exists a false gospel of ease that is alive and thriving in our churches today. It's in our Christian books and it's in many people's lives right now. And do you know how I know that it's a false gospel? That's simple. It omits, it changes, it perverts the truth of the Word and the teachings of Jesus. One does not have to look far to experience these things. See, the problem is, is that many Christians try to apply a worldly standard to a relationship with Christ. What's in it for me? I need to know what's in it for me. If I'm going to do this, if I'm going to take these steps, what am I going to get out of it? What is the cost-benefit ratio? You know, this whole following Jesus, it seems like it's going to cost me a lot. What's it going to benefit me? Let me weigh those things and let me first, let me first see how much that might distract the things that, that I really care about, those things that I really want to be doing. How about this one? What is the least that I can do and still get in? You know, we joke around and call that fire insurance, right? We want to be able to slip right into heaven because after all, we don't want to spend an eternity in hell. So what, what's the least I can do in my life right now so that I can, can slip in? The gate is narrow because it takes effort, because it takes work, and because it takes time. See, we are called to be active and intentional about our faith not passive and not unwilling. Those who are attentional about their faith, they, they fix their eyes upon Christ and understand that the gate, in fact, is narrow. Again, not because of Jesus. He has provided every opportunity to us, but because we choose to deny the glorious gift presented to us at the expense of His sacrifice. Those who enter the narrow gate are those who long for true repentance. What does that even mean in this day and age? True repentance it involves humility, right? It, it involves an emptying of ourselves. It, it involves an admission that we are in fact sinful creatures who have partaken in, in something that was sinful. See, that's, that's the opposite of the victim mentality that so many want to grab a hold of. But it wasn't my fault. 
I was put in that position. It's circumstances because my ancestors were treated a certain way or because of how I grew up or because of what my parents did to me. That's a victim mentality. It's for those who deny themselves of everything in order to follow Jesus. Those who aim to follow and to obey His commandments. Those who seek His righteousness while in relationship with Him. And those who endure and they persevere until they step into glory. All of these things. Never buy into the thought of being a born-again Christian and living a Born-again Christian life is a life of ease. It's very much the opposite of that. If it wasn't the statements of Jesus here, no, go back, go back, the statements of Jesus here would be the opposite. Enter by the broad road. For the broad road is... Is, is wide and, and that's the easy way that leads us to Jesus. And those who enter it are many for the narrow gate. That's the gate of... See, it doesn't say that. It's quite the opposite. Effort. Time. Now flip that slide. See, here's where I'm at. I completely believe that getting saved is the easiest thing to do in the whole wide world. I also believe that following Jesus requires the most attention of anything in our life. Do you see what's going on in this statement? It's easy to get saved because Jesus has prayed the price. Jesus did everything so that we can get saved. He has, he has opened that door. He has presented it to us. So Jesus did all the work. That's what makes it the easiest thing. But then the responsibility, part of that responsibility to sustain and to, to stay a Christian. See, that follows us. And it actually requires the most, the most attention in our life. When was the last time you thought of it that way? Oh, being, I go to church on Sunday, that's easy. Yeah, we usually start at 10 and we're out by noon. It's easy, and then I'm done for the day, right? And I can go put my effort and my time into those other things in my life that, that, that desire and require my effort and my time. But I'm saying you're thinking about it all wrong. I'm saying that your faith itself requires the most attention in your life. Why? Why? Because following Jesus means we have to deny ourselves to forfeit our sinful and self-righteous attitude and to humbly admit that without Christ we are nothing. And we got to do this on a daily basis. And maybe it's not just a one-time daily basis. Maybe it's throughout our day. And that's not easy and does not just happen. Flip that side. See, that is not a popular message in a society that seeks to justify all their sins, shortcomings, and self-indulgent egos. We crave the easy, the accepting, the self-gratifying message of the false gospel. See, in the false gospel of ease, we don't have to change. We don't have to feel conviction because we can change who we think God should be. Or we can just change churches. See, it's the basis of hyper-grace theology. It's the basis for prosperity gospel. The Christian universalism and the social justice church. Think, think of it this way. See, when I go to a restaurant, right? Maybe I've just been doing stuff all day. or Maybe it's a special occasion and we decide to go to a restaurant and, and you guys are probably going to think I'm going to say something about tacos right now. 
But I'm going to switch things up. See, you go to a restaurant, I, I want my burger to be just how I want it. I don't want some mass-produced burger. I don't want somebody else deciding what my burger should be. I want it to be how I want it. See, I want, I want to pick the meat, right? I'm I not actually go back there, but if it's like, hey, there's Angus or elk or Wagyu or buffalo or whatever. Man, I want to have those choices, right? I, I want to choose the meat. And then, and then, of course, I want to choose the cheese that I'm going to put on it because the cheese complements the meat so perfectly. And I want the caramelized onions, right? The caramelized onions. I want them done just right. I don't want them to be too crunchy, but I don't want them to be too slimy. I want them to be buttery. Oh, all that goodness. And, and I want the right combination of peanut butter and barbecue sauce to go on that burger. It's a wonderful combination. See, when I, when I go out to a restaurant, for a burger, I want to have it the way I want it. But that cannot be how I treat my faith. I shouldn't pick and choose what verses I read and believe and which ones I skip and deny. I shouldn't elevate the teachings of a, a pastor, an evangelist, or an author above the Word of God because they align with how I want to live my life. I shouldn't ever select a church based upon comfort and tolerance toward my sin. And I shouldn't ever take the easy path with my faith. The path that leads to the wide and broad road of destruction. We like to say Dis destruction here doesn't sound too terribly bad, does it? But what Jesus is talking about is destruction as in an eternity separated from himself, which is by definition hell. This is good stuff, isn't it? This is vital stuff. Let's look at another portion of Scripture. Let's, let's see another place where Jesus does some teaching. Luke 9, verse 62. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. See, this comes in a section of Scripture that emphasizes the cost of following Jesus. And it's farming terminology. You guys know that, that uh, my, my ancestors, man, they're farmers, Kansas farmers. It's so I love farming terminology. It's something that I can understand and, and get into. And Jesus is using this analogy to, to illustrate a very important point. And it's such a great example here. See, Jesus is comparing someone who chooses to follow him with a farmer who puts their hand upon the plow. Plowing back then when Jesus is teaching this plowing back then it wasn't like like plowing today not like you don't hook it up to the big John Deere and have like a 12 or 16 rope plow or anything like that the plowing back then was very laborious took a lot of effort it took a lot of focus but it also took a lot of faith see a farmer will only put in that effort and that faith for one reason. You plow so you can plant. And you plant so you can produce. Look at John 12, 24 and 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. It's a new beginning, but one that comes at an expense. To follow Jesus, to put your hand to the plow, requires you to focus, to forsake who you once were, what you once did, 
and those things that you once believed. No longer having a, a desire to live that past life because that past life has died. And in that place, a new life is able to spring forth. A new life in Christ, a life that identifies with His death, but also one that identifies with His life. Thank God is right, Dale. Thank God. Think about your past life. Why would you ever want to return to that? Why would you ever want to flirt with it? Why would you ever want to allow that 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 filth, that that normality, that substandard to affect you on your day to day, right? We gotta get this understanding. See, there's no need to look back. Because that which is behind you can only hinder you. And if you try to look back and live that life, again, Jesus' words, according to Jesus, that person is not fit for the kingdom of God. This for sure, this, this, this passage, this, this verse for sure pertains to our salvation, doesn't it? But wouldn't you agree it also guides us in our everyday life? Paul understood this. Look at Philippians 3, 13 and 14. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus be careful here, because looking back can look a lot like desiring the false gospel of ease that serves nothing more than allows you to feel good about yourself temporarily. Paul is describing a faith that takes effort. It takes focus on what things are ahead, forgetting what lies behind, and, and straining forward. Straining, always straining forward closer to Jesus, to the call that Jesus has placed upon each one of our life. Which brings us to another important Scripture. We find it in Galatians 6, 7, and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will He also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Count the cost. Put your hand to the plow. Plant and produce. Don't look back or allow the past to affect your future. And understand, what you sow is what you will reap Christian principles that that contradict the false gospel of ease here's a great quote I, I I saw from an unknown author most people want to serve God but only as advisors we can ooh I heard both oohs and laughter on that one and we can we can chuckle at this but we're the same way every person in here is the same way man we want to serve God but we want to advise God on on the way things should look on the on the things he should do on how he should do it don't we admit it we do how do we pray? God, today do this, do this, do this. Whenever I pray that way, I, I, I get convicted. Man, why am I telling you, God, what to do? Then I have to back up and i got to rephrase that as a question. God, would you? If you will, could you? Right? I don't want to be the advisor to God. I want to be His humbly, humble servant. Many people are building their faith they are building it upon the wrong foundation. The Bible teaches us that there is only one true foundation for life now and for life everlasting. And though the gate has been narrow by mankind's choices, it's the only gate to get 
to the Father. See, the itching ears of the people gives way to the failures of the church. When the church focuses on, on programs and numbers and, and production and convenience and sacrifices the truth for, for being relevant in today's culture, the teaching becomes easy. The people stay comfortable and a misguided faith keeps people from even seeing a gate. Comfort quickly becomes apathy, and apathy leads to absence. See, if your faith is easy, or if attending your church is easy, then by default, leaving either will be just as easy. Especially when distraction or opposition comes. Proverbs 24.10 if you are slack, careless in the day of distress, your strength is limited. Ouch. But our strength isn't limited because by and through the power of the Holy Spirit, He has given us the ability to all, do all things, right? Because it's Jesus in us. And Jesus doesn't promise a life of ease. But he does provide a life of order. See, the opposite of order is chaos. Chaos is camouflaged as a life of ease and a religion that I can control. Yet only a fool would profess a faith in a greater power that they themselves can control. It's happening all the time right now, isn't it? Isn't that what so many professing Christians believe and desire? It's the false gospel of ease and it's a fault in our faith. One that we must choose to stand and to fight against. Yes, we need to stand and we need to fight against that in each one of our lives when that comes against us and, and those things are calling us to broad road and everything's trying to distract us from the narrow gate and, and we're promised ease and convenience and, and blessing and prosperity and, and, and all of those different things. We must stand. We must take a stand. We must fight against it. Because here our human nature becomes our greatest enemy. By our human nature we're lazy. By our human nature, we want the easy. By the human nature, we want to run from God. See, that's my human nature, but that's not the Holy Spirit's nature that is now within me. It's the opposite of those things. And it's your choice. It is each one of your choices. So what will you choose? C.S. Lewis had a great quote about choice. Every time you make a choice, you are turning the central part of you, the part of you that chooses, into something a little different than what it was before. And taking your life as a whole, with all your innumerable choices, all your life long, you are slowly turning this central thing into a heavenly creature or a hellish creature, either into a creature that is in harmony with God and with other cre creatures and with itself, or else into one that is in a state of war and hatred with God and with his fellow creatures and with itself. I think there's a lot of truth in that statement. I would say, I'm going to admit this to you guys, I would say that the last several messages have been a bit challenging, to say the least. I would say that partly because there are those around me who have clearly pointed out to me, usually in a nice way, in an in a uplifting way, that they have been downright hard messages to hear. Just so you guys know, I take that as confirmation. 
that I'm hearing the Holy Spirit and preaching what He wants me to preach. So why have we had these kind of messages, these harder kind of messages? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus loves us. And Jesus wants us to be aware. He wants us engaged. And you know what? Most of all, He wants us for eternity. Jesus wants you for eternity. Not just Sunday mornings. He just doesn't want you just for Sunday mornings. Wants you for all eternity, and the the gate is narrow, but the road is broad. And by Jesus's words, most aren't gonna make it. I know that breaks Jesus's heart, and it should break each one of our hearts as well. See, His love for us is often revealed in His desire to to protect us and to provide for us. And that protection and that provision is by His privilege and not by our prerogative. And part of that privilege, a major portion of that privilege is through His Word. we got to be in His Word, guys. Maybe it's time to just step back, open up our Bibles and read the red. The red words in our Bibles, those are the words of Jesus. Get into the Gospels and read the teachings of Jesus. They're, they're full of love and a desire to spend eternity with each one of us. And yet we just want to find out what can I get out of this? What is the cost-benefit ratio? What's it going to cost me? So let's finish up here with a couple more verses to ponder upon. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. This is Paul writing now. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. See, Paul had to had to take a step back and he had to say, hey, hey guys, I, I, I have this, um, this concern that maybe you're, you're choosing to follow me a little too much and you're taking your eyes up, up, off of God. Now, I'm not going to be with you guys physically all the time, but I need you to do this in my absence. So, so, so Paul is saying it's not about me, it's all about Jesus. Take your eyes off me and place them on Jesus. And in my absence, even more in my absence, even more as we are apart, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. See, that doesn't sound like a faith based on ease. That doesn't sound like a faith based on comfort. That doesn't sound like a faith based on your absence. You can't just take a picture of yourself and write under it, born again believer, and, and present that when you step into glory and eternity. doesn't work that way, right? You've got to press forward. You've got to work out your salvation. Not looking back, but, but looking what lies ahead. And, and you see... This is a good thing. This is a good thing. Because God in His infinite wisdom knows what happens when our lives get easy. And when our faiths get easy, we lose, we lose interest in it quite quickly, don't we? Let's end with this verse and with this worship team if you guys want to come on up here. This is out of 1 Peter chapter 1. This is now Peter speaking and writing. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Can't be lackadaisical. Can't be distracted. We can't chase after ease. We can't be the victim we can't be the one saying, well, well, if everybody else is going, I'll just jump in with them and 
and go along with them. No, we've got to prepare our minds for action. We've got to make a conscious decision that we are going to take action within our own faith. We need to be sober-minded. Sober-minded, this isn't just about being drunk with alcohol or anything like that. Being sober-minded is, is standing against the distractions of this world. Anything that would come and try to distract us, we need to be sober-minded and, and not be caught up in that. We need to set our hope fully on the grace that will be brought to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's about finding Jesus for the first time. It's also about finding Jesus every morning, every day, every single thing that we do. Now, now let me say this. Jesus is not hard to find. This isn't saying this is, this is a spiritual hide-and-seek game where every day we got to look in the... Um, Jesus ain't in the closet. I wonder if he's under the bed. Let's go check him. Jesus doesn't hide from us. But what we do is we have to make effort to open that door and let him into our lives every single day. Why is that so incredibly important? Because the gate is narrow. The road is wide. The gate is narrow. The road is wide. I don't want to see anybody that I've ever preached to, that I've ever associated with on the mission field, those that I've, that I've seen in the community, I don't want to see any of those people fall into the bright, broad road of destruction and spend an eternity without Jesus. But by Jesus' own words, it's, it's going to happen. You better make sure you're where you need to be. I ask you guys, Make sure you're where you need to be because Jesus wants to spend eternity with you. This says nothing about all the prodigals that are in our life and the, the lost people that, in our, that are in our life, right? Those that, that either have walked away from Jesus or know nothing about Jesus. Jesus is saying, man, get set. Get your own faith set. Get healthy. Get deep. Do that first. Because Jesus doesn't want us to sacrifice our own eternity with Him for anything. And we don't have to. By plugging into Him, by going deep with Him, by, by exploring our faith in, in the new amazing ways of His Word and His wisdom and His ways... It opens up to us something so perfect and so pure. And to live a life that way, it's contagious to those that are around us. You need Jesus. You need a strong relationship with Him. You need an everyday relationship with Jesus. You know what else you need? You need His church. We need to surround ourselves with other believers so that we may stand strong, that we may endure to the end. We need to be picking up our plows, man. We need to be picking up our plows. Some of your guys' plows are so rusted and dusty and stuck in the closet for so long. Get your plow out. Put your hand on the plow. Forget what has happened in the past. Look forward and start plowing. Plow to plant and plant to produce. You begin to produce in your own life, it's going to start to produce in lives that are around you. See, it's not enough to live for today. But rather, you need to fix your eyes upon Christ now, today, this morning, as well as forever. The infinite, eternal, forever. Fix your eyes upon Jesus. Focus. Focus on the narrow gate. And don't allow distraction or social pressure or false teachings to deviate you in any way. Let's all let, stand up, please stand up. We're going to pray. 
bring the lights down, would you guys? I, I believe that I, I believe in altar calls. You know that. I believe that God can do just some great things anywhere, at any time. He is not bound by anything. But sometimes God, through His conviction and His challenge, says, "Hey, I want you at the altar this morning." And sometimes that that aisle right here. That's as narrow as the gate. Broad are the seats in church. <laughs> but narrow is the aisle that leads to the altar. I'm telling you guys, there is, there is confession in the altar. There's revelation in the altar. There's healing in the altar. Conviction brings us to the altar. But I'll tell you what else is at the altar there's obedience in the altar. So if the Holy Spirit is doing anything inside of you this morning, if anything in this message kicked something, if there's any doubt in your life right now as to what path or what road you are on, God wants to take care of that this morning. The, the Holy Spirit is the one that's beckoning you up here. So we're going to open up the altar during this last time of worship. We are going to spend as long as we need at this altar. I brought my food in a crock pot. It's on. It's going to stay warm for hours. That food can wait. But what you need is the bread of life right now. So if you'll meet me in the altar, I'm going to pray. And then let's meet up here. Let's worship together. Let's pray together. Let's cry together. Let's laugh together. Let's repent together and let's have joy together. Father, Lord, I thank you so much that you love us enough to give us hard teaching. Lord, I don't want to serve a God that I can mold around my failures and faults and sinful desires, but I want to, I want to serve the ultimate, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving all-consuming yes. God of this universe and beyond. Father, I pray that, that, that this teaching did, did glory for you, Lord God. I, I pray that, that this teaching helped people to come to a conclusion within their own life. Jesus, I know by your Spirit you are wanting to meet us here this morning and to start new steps, to start a new life. It doesn't matter where we've been. We're not looking back. But Jesus, we're looking forward. So Holy Spirit, as we meet you here this morning, I have 100% full confidence that you are going to do things in people's lives. Lord, if it's a healing they need, we ask for a healing. If it's repentance they need, we ask that they repent. If it's just a washing, a fresh washing, Lord God, we ask for that. If it's confirmation, Lord God, we ask for that and we stand on your word and believe in that. So Holy Spirit, meet us. Give people the courage and the boldness to do what you are asking them. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com and we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.